please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Good morning, everybody. This is Doug. I am your host this week here on the GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. Um, Jesse is on vacation. So, <clears throat> I thought that instead of our normal let's pick a topic and beat it to death format, that I would do something just a little bit different this week and answer some listener questions. Uh, we get these every once in a while. Generally, I try to incorporate them into the show just just enough so that you you can you you get the answer, but you that it's not really focused on it. But there have been so many questions coming in, in from different areas that although this episode may seem a little bit scatterbrained, um, I think it's a good time to go ahead and just answer some questions, take a step back, and see what everyone's talking about in the community. And um, some of them are questions that we've already beaten to death in previous episodes. I get a lot of questions about campus carry. Campus carry is always a big one because of the case that I had and people wanting updates. Um, so we've, we've covered that to death, and I'm not going to rehash campus carry. Sorry, sorry about that for the campus carry people, um, although it is important. Um, uh, I have friends and family that are in school. In fact, I think my entire family's in school right now, everyone but me, and I'm so grateful that I'm not anymore. <laughs> I, I did my time, and it's over, but... Not only am I out of school, but I'm now out of debt. All my student loans are finally paid off. It only took me most of my life to do that. So anyway, um, campus carry is kind of a self-contained issue, and I don't think we're going to rehash that. Another thing that I do need to talk about, and I think I'll get it out of the way up front, is convention. We had the convention last weekend, and it was awesome. I, I hope that instead of listening to the show that you ran down to the convention, and I was trying desperately to get a live feed so that we could you know, interview people at the convention. It just did not work out with, with the way the scheduling at the, our local station here at, uh, 1160 AM. I, I couldn't get it quite to, to happen, but, uh, it was a great day. We had a, a great event. Um, I brought my kids down. Jesse was speaking in a panel discussion on women's issues. That was enlightening in a lot of ways. Um, let me give you guys a hint. If you are ever in a, have an opportunity to talk to women who are well-versed in firearms and firearms ownership, who are activists in law and politics in Georgia and firearms rights, just just don't tell them what type of gun that they're supposed to be buying. It, it just doesn't work well. It does not end well. Um, as, as Admiral Akbar might say, it's a trap. But I'm I mean, seriously, not a good idea. Not a good idea to try to tell uh, a panel of women what gun they should be buying, especially when it's not when you're not recommending a 1911. I mean, if you're recommending a 1911, I could see it maybe because you know it, it is the best answer. But even then, you know what's what's the the old the old trope that we we bring out? You know, women when when they're upset, just back into a corner and throw chocolate at them. Well. Upsetting them by telling them what they're supposed to be buying is, is probably not a good idea. Um, I, I hear all the time people say, well, you wouldn't let your husband buy your bra. If, if your husband's not buying your bras, then he's not getting enough time with with the equipment. So he should be able to do that without too much thought because he should know you. If, if he can't, then he needs to spend some more time on the range and know how you work so that you can 
mesh together better with with the firearm selection because you really should know your partner you should know what they need and and what helps them as at that level now I wouldn't walk up to some random woman and say, hey, you should buy this gun or you should buy that gun. But I think I could tell Jessie what gun is better for her. In fact, I did. Uh, she wanted a little tiny light LCP. And I was like, fine. Yeah, absolutely. And I helped her get one. And all the time I kept saying, you really should get a 1911. You really should get a 1911. You really should get a 1911. But if you want that, I'll get it for you. And I got it for her. And she shot it. And she liked it until she shot the 1911. And then all of a sudden she wanted a 1911. Because her what she had in her mind as being the perfect gun was not really the perfect gun. And people, and it's not just women, people of all walks of life do that. What, what was it Spock said in the original series? Having is not as pleasing a thing as wanting. It is not logical, but it is often true. I think that that is very profound in firearm selection. Having is not so pleasing a thing as wanting. It is not logical, but it is often true. So... If you are dead set to get some whiz-bang new high recommended in Guns and Ammo magazine gun right off the assembly line, by all means, have at it. The Outdoor Trader will be full of them in 6 to 12 weeks. And the rest of us, if we really need to scratch that itch, we'll pick one up then. The truth is, is that when it comes to firearms, there are tried and true examples of things that work very well. And then there are things that are fads. And the fads are fun. But it's a waste of money in the long run because these are tools that we bet our lives on. And it's better to take something that is tried and true. And I rag on Glock. Uh, I, I hate their rifling that you can't use lead bullets. I think that that's insane. You should be able to use any bullet that any other gun has. So right off the bat, you're going to buy a Glock and then you're going to drop a $250 lone wolf barrel into it. And now you're paying as much as a Ruger 1911. So why not just do the 1911? But the the pricing aside... Glock makes a, a firearm that is good for some people with larger hands and who can't hit what they're aiming at, so they need more rounds. But the the, the point is, is that it's a there's a fine choice there. 1911s are good choices. Double action revolvers are good choices. Single action revolvers can be a good choice if you're willing to train with it. It takes a little bit more doing, and and I'm a little bit afraid of traffic stops if the officer wants to secure your firearm. I, I'm going to start carrying my 1858 Remington cartridge conversion just for that eventuality because when they want to do something with that, good lord, ha have fun. <laughs> um, maybe I should just carry black powder. They would really have a good time with a black powder gun. How do you unload this yeah ha um safe direction i don't know anyway um the the panel discussion at the convention was phenomenal uh the women did a great job they had a variety of viewpoints there was a little back and forth um when they were asked about campus carry nobody bit anybody's head off it was really uh, an awesome day <coughs> and <coughs> sorry <coughs> that panel discussion was only one of many discussions that were going on throughout the day, not to mention the the poker game the night before and the banquet that evening and the uh, the vendor area. I, I had a little bit of fun in the vendor area. I brought my son and my daughter, and we were going to go do the zombie shoot. And my daughter looked, and it, it had a 1911 airsoft pistol, and she looked at it and she said, I think it's too big for my hands, Dad. I'll pass. And I was so proud of her at that moment, so incredibly proud, because... So many kids would be like, I want to do it, I want to do it. Well, you're kind of little. No, nah, I don't care, I want to do it. She had the, at five, 
at five, she had the emotional maturity to say, I think that, that holding that handgun is just a little bit beyond what I can do. And so her brother got to shoot, and I promised I would get her something later. I got her a Lego set instead, not at the convention. We need to have more Legos at the convention. Um, but her brother shot, and he got eight out of ten targets right off the bat. Bum, bum, bum. So it was fun, and, and we had a good time. And then we were walking back through, and lo and behold, there's the Libertarian Party table at the convention. And one of them says, sir, would you be interested in taking our, our six-question political quiz, the world's shortest political quiz? And I said, no, nah, no, nah, not interested, thank you. And then this guy comes around the table, and he's like, well, I understand you're busy and, and everything, but you know, as you're sitting in the convention, if you're waiting for the next speaker, why don't you just take one of these and fill it out, and if you'd like, you can come back and we can discuss where you scored on it if you'd like to. Otherwise, you know, feel free. And I kind of smiled at him, and I was like, I really don't need it, because um, I'm I'm on the executive committee for the the party here in Georgia, and then all their mouths dropped open, and they were like, oh, "Oh, wow, okay," and it was kind of fun because so many times you've got volunteers who are working a booth who couldn't care less about what they're doing, but here were some guys who really went out of their way, and they they even with my feigned disinterest, they kept on and came back to it and made sure that I they had a good point of contact with me and made personal contact. And it's very reminiscent of the way that the volunteers at the GeorgiaCarry.org booths at the gun shows and at the various fairs and parks and, and events that Georgia Carry goes to does. Because the volunteers, both for the Libertarians and for the Georgia Carry Convention, the volunteers really believe in what they're doing, and it shows through, and it makes a difference in the way that they interact with people. Too many volunteers are just there pulling a paycheck, right? I mean, they're, they're there for their community service hours. Trust me, I know. <laughs> they're there for um, the benefits that they get for volunteering. They're not really there because they believe in it. But when you start dealing with people from GeorgiaCarry.org and from the Libertarian Party, the ones who actually come out really do believe in it. The sad thing, though, is especially for the Libertarian Party, but also for Georgia Carey, um, the volunteers who come out and who believe in it and who are motivated are such a small, tiny fraction of the whole. You know, the GeorgiaCarry.org has 8,000 members right now. I want to say eight, might be up to nine now. I'm not, not certain, but I, I know that it's about 8,000 members. 8,000 members. So why are we having difficulty manning the booths at the gun shows in North Georgia? Why are, why does, does John Choate have to go every, every single gun show and sit there because he doesn't have any help? With 9,000 people across the state, you would think that there would be somebody who wants to go to the gun show, but it's the commitment of time that people don't really get involved in. And so one of the things that I'd like to, to touch on is volunteer efforts. And this leads me to my first question, which I guess we're going to have to take a commercial break right now, and, and I'll be back with the first reader question, or first listener question, right after this. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So the first reader or listener question that I have um, is about volunteer opportunities. Now, obviously, we talk every week about how you can go to a gun show or go to a, an event like, you know, 
the Piedmont Park or the Gay Pride Festival or anything like that, and there will be georgiacarry.org volunteers. But how do you get to be a volunteer? Well, that's really simple. Once you're a member, you can contact the volunteer coordinator and get placed at an event or, or gun show near you where they need help. And, and that's the simplest way that any person can volunteer and have someone kind of lead them and guide them through the ropes. But I think that there's a, a bigger possibility here. Okay. So this is kind of one of those think outside the box moments for all of the georgiacarry.org members and for everyone listening. Why don't you make your own volunteer opportunity? Why not take a look at your life <coughs> and what you do <coughs> and where you are and see avenues that you can help promote responsible gun ownership, responsible carry of firearms, gun safety, and education about people who do carry firearms on a daily basis. And there will be opportunities. Look at your church. Why isn't there a Georgia Carry event going on at your church? Why don't you help get some people together to talk about firearms rights? You don't feel like you can do the talking? Get me to do it. Get Jesse to do it. Get get Jerry Henry to come over and do it. All of us would be happy to come and talk at your church or your synagogue or your mosque. Any one of us would love the opportunity to come and talk about firearms ownership. So there, there's an opportunity right there. You see a, a way that you can volunteer and to, to get more education into your community. What about your homeowners association? Why don't you invite us to come speak at your homeowners association? Or if you want to do it, we'll provide you the materials. Easy enough. You know your neighbors. You know your friends. Get them involved, too, and talk about what's going on. Talk about the litigation and legislation. Talk about things like campus carry and talk about what type of guns that you can get your hands on and, and holsters and where you can carry them and make people more aware. You don't have to wait for a gun show to go and try to talk to people about joining Georgia Carey. You can do it in your own town and in your own community, in Jerusalem first, right? So I would challenge everybody who is asking, how can I be more involved, to create an involvement opportunity. Look in your life and where you go. Uh, a restaurant, one of your favorite restaurants. Do you, do you, if you go to a restaurant often enough that you know the manager's name, Ask them if you could do a Georgia Carry event there and hand out some materials. If you have a business that you frequent, your hairstylist, if you know the manager's name, you know him well enough to start talking about Georgia Carry. So these are great opportunities. Um, if you are more reserved and more shy and, and don't feel like you can be the outgoing extrovert that so many of us in the upper echelon tend to be because we like to be in, in the focus and in center of attention, reach out to us and we'll help you. We'll help you get through it. We'll help you do it or we'll do it for you if you need us to. And that's something that we all enjoy. So there, um, grassroots volunteer opportunities. Of course, georgiacarry.org has them if you contact us, uh, but you can make your own. And georgiacarry.org is, of course, a 501c3 corporation, which means that uh, the uh, donations to it are not the membership dues, but the donations are tax deductible, and it qualifies for community service hours. So if you have you know, uh, a sort of a deal where you need to do 20 hours of community service to make that speeding ticket go away, there you go. A great opportunity. You can volunteer there, and it will count in almost every county in the state of Georgia. 
So there's my little legal minute uh, background. Um, and I know there are a lot of people who have gotten their start in Georgia Carey, either doing community service hours or trying to set an example for their teenagers that community service is important and did it through georgiacarry.org and were moved up through the ranks. So there's, there's a good opportunity there to, to meet two needs at one time. Uh, beyond that, um, the volunteer opportunities across the state we we have not only just the gun shows but all of the the festivals and like the pride festival that was a big deal for georgia carry to be at uh you know it's a community and i like to branch out to different communities because there's a loss of community in this country and so you know we may not know our neighbors very well but we all drive you know 50 miles to go to one church and as we start to develop this new sense of community that's not geographically based but interest-based, firearms ownership becomes a community in and of itself. And the gun culture is incredibly important. That's a, a topic that everyone who listens to the show knows that I beat to death about how gun culture is a community in and of itself. But it is a great way to start to branch out to other communities. There, are, you know, there's the the preppers, there's the the people who are survivalists, there's the the whole milk crowd or, or raw milk crowd. There's um, different auto enthusiasts you've got bikers and you've got um mothers of of preschool children you've got everybody everybody forms these little cliques or communities and they're great opportunities to reach out and draw them in to georgia carry and to take care of themselves and accept personal responsibility which the the powers that be just it's an anathema to them to think that we would be willing to, to come together around a, a common topic like that. They want us to be divided. They want us to be separate from each other. They want us to be um, not able to come together to get things done. Because once we come together for gun rights, the next thing you know, we might come together for ballot access or for meaningful legislation to improve water quality or for ending corruption and runaway budgets. And when that happens, then their entire power structure is threatened. So all of our collective efforts together to become a community, to get to know each other and to work together um, are dangerous to corrupt power systems. And so you see that there's an awful lot of, of effort put in to drive us away and keep us apart and to um, polarize topics. You know, they're, they're, the anti-gunners are out there saying, we need to take their guns, and we stand up and say, no, you'll never take it out of our cold, dead hands. But we could all get behind training. There isn't an anti-gunner out there who says, well, yeah, I hate training. No one should be trained. Well, you know what happens when you start to train people? Do you know what really happens when you start to train people about guns? Their fear goes away. Yeah, think about that. So why don't we use train, not use it to make it mandatory, not make it another hurdle to overcome, but really use training to as, as the ambassadorship of the gun culture. We can train everybody, take their fear away, make them feel responsible and empowered, and they're going to love it. Everybody loves that. Everybody wants to feel special. Everybody wants to feel that they're important and that they're powerful and that they matter. And when you take a, a 22 and you hit the 10 ring every single time at 15 yards, you feel empowered. You feel powerful. You feel important. You feel like you've accomplished something. And that goal, the goal of feeling that sense of accomplishment can be the the thin edge of the wedge that starts to break apart the anti-gun movement because the anti-gun movement is based entirely on emotions and fear. It's not based on, on a reality. It's not based on logic. It's not based on experience. 
it boggles my mind. People who get out there and shoot and have had adequate training before they shoot don't come away afraid. They come away enthused. And that's how we become enthusiasts and gun nuts is because we went out and we shot and we enjoyed it. We didn't enjoy going out and, and mowing down, you know, hapless civilians left, right, and center. I mean, that's not what, what got us into firearms. What got us into firearms was when we pulled the trigger, it wasn't that bad, and I hit my target. And my goodness, I'm getting good at this, and it's fun. I, I am proficient. I'm better than that. I'm starting to get really good. Oh, I can draw and fire, and I can move and fire. And all of these different aspects bring us to the point where we feel confident. And that confidence, the confidence of shooting, goes beyond just the range. It goes into every walk of everyday life. When you start to feel confident about yourself, when you start to feel good about yourself, when you have a positive self-image and you see yourself as a worthwhile person, that bleeds into every aspect of your life. It bleeds into your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your, your wife, your girlfriend. It bleeds into your relationship with your boss or your teachers. It bleeds into your relationship with your pastors, neighbors, and friends. All of those relationships burgeon when you have a feeling of self-worth and that you see yourself as a valuable person. And the inverse is true, too. When you see yourself as a victim, when you see yourself as helpless or powerless, when you see yourself as someone who can't do things for themselves, then that bleeds into every relationship, too, and poisons and destroys it. Those feelings of victimhood, of being helpless, of being powerless, of being depressed, that reaches into every relationship and corrupts it just as much as a positive self-image will buoy up a person and have them be able to do more. One of the things I'm dealing with right now in my personal life is my son, John. He's going to school, and last year he had the most awesome teacher on earth. She had Nerf gun battles when they when the kids would do well on their tests. I mean, it was just it was the most creative and and enlightened classroom I had ever seen, and it was amazing. This year he has a totalitarian form of government that does not all you know branch out. Uh, when you finish your work early, you can read. That's it. You sit at your desk quietly. Um, there is no talking in line. You finish your lunch and you throw it away and you clean up the table after you. Otherwise, you get points deducted. Everything is laid out and there are strict rules to follow. And he's like, Dad, I hate this. And I was like, Son, you got to find a way through it. You can't change another person and what, what she's doing. There's nothing wrong with it. Maybe it's not best, but there's nothing wrong with it. So you're going to have to find a way to deal with it and live with it and have a positive attitude because if you make this whole year miserable for yourself by being negative about the situation you're in, you're never going to learn how to deal with a boss you don't like or a job you don't like. And sometimes there are jobs you don't like and sometimes there are bosses you don't like. Now, it shouldn't be a whole career you don't like because then you should change it. But going to school is just a temporary career, just like any other entry-level career that you do to get to a certain goal. And you've got to just suck it up and do it. And he's learning that lesson. But that's a lesson we all need. Folks, we're at a commercial break. I will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So I kind of smushed two of the reader, or excuse me, listener questions together um, in that last segment. Not only uh, did I talk a little bit about the the um, 
volunteer a- a- aspects and what you can do to volunteer in creating your own culture. But I kind of delved into why are you a gun nut? And um, for me, what what really I I started out. As a kid, I, I was in a, a single-parent family. It was just my mom. I didn't have any influences to lead me to firearms. And firearms were something that was um, verboten, right? I mean, this is something – my mom didn't have any problems. She had a gun, but it wasn't really very practical. What can you do with it? You can't take it anywhere. You can't do anything with it. It's got to be unloaded in the house. And what's going to happen if you really need it? It was just kind of an oddity. So – I get to be 12 years old, and one of my friends is going uh, deer hunting and invites me to go with. So my mom buys a 12-gauge shotgun with slugs and sends me on my merry way to go deer hunting. And I took and I went and I shot it, and I liked it. I felt confident, as I was saying in the last segment, built confidence in myself and in my abilities. From there, um, I hate to say it. Uh, we came down to Georgia to visit my grandparents, and I was promised a trip to Disney World, my big trip to Disney. And we happened to be in a pawn shop, and there was a, a Savage 110 7mm Remington Magnum with a great big, nice 50mm scope on top of it and a black synthetic stock. And I just fell in love with the thing. And I said, Mom, I would really love to get that gun. And she looked at it and looked at me and looked at it and looked at me and said, I'll trade you the trip to Disney World for it. So that was my second gun. <laughs> and then I picked up a 22 long rifle, which allowed me to shoot a lot more. And I would go to a range that was an outdoor range at the county dump um, every other week, every other weekend, and put a brick or two through that 22, shoot a few rounds of 7 mag, and, and pop a few clay p- pigeons with a 12-gauge. And from that point until... Mm, almost to the end of law school when I turned 21, um, that was my experience with firearms. I, I had them. I was comfortable with them, but it wasn't much to it beyond that because what can you do with it? I had never fired a handgun until I worked for ATF, and then one of the agents took me to the range, and I was doing fine with the long guns, and he's like, do you want to shoot one of the handguns? I was like, I don't know. I never have before. And so I shot a Glock 22 that was an ATF duty weapon, and that was the first handgun I ever shot. And I wasn't terribly impressed. So it just didn't really resonate with me. But when I started working in the DA's office in Cobb, I felt like I needed to protect myself. And I found out that you can carry a gun and you can get a license in Georgia. So I had to wait a little while till my 21st birthday. But once I turned 21, I went and applied and got my permit. And then my friend there said, you need a 1911. And I was like, what's a 1911? He says, the only gun you ever need. And he was right. So I went and bought myself a 1911. And the rest, as they say, is history, right? You know, that that was the beginning for me because I got good with that gun. I reloaded and I put 100,000 rounds through that gun before it was finally in its in configuration it is now. And really learned to appreciate the art and the science and the mastery of firearms. It was it was a beautiful thing. And, and I not only because I'm a history major on top of being a political science major, my thing was the history of them. How did they get here? And why are they the way they are? What made this gun become what it is? And so I delved in and I can I can tell you all sorts of weird oddball facts going all the way back to 
percussion pistols and, and the, divi- the design elements. When I learned about all the revolutions that John Moses Browning made, it inspired me so much that I named my firstborn after him. I mean, the, the, this was, became a part of my life, and it became a part of my life because of the building of confidence and self-esteem. You know, I was a great lawyer, and I, I but I always had this nagging sense of self-doubt. When you go into a trial, you always wonder, could you do better? Could you have done better? Is there something more you could have learned? Can you? There's always somebody who's smarter, faster, or better than you are. In your entire life, no matter what you do, there's always someone who's smarter, faster, or better. But you know what? When you're standing with a target in front of you at the range, there is nobody smarter, faster, or better shooting at that target. There is nobody else who's standing there that you have to compete with. If he's the fastest with a knife and a gun, with whom does he compete? himself. And that was a a, a game changer for me. That's what brought me into being a gun enthusiast or a gun nut. That's what made me who I am, was that moment of clarity. When I stand on the line, it's just me. And it doesn't matter if you're smarter, faster, or better. It doesn't matter if you had a better score. All that matters is that I did it. I cleared the table of bowling pins. I hit all the steel in the cowboy match. I did it. No one else could do it for me. No one else can help me with it. It's not a team event. It is me. And it is my abilities, my disadvantages, my handicaps, all at play together. And I can be proud of myself without having to share that glory with any other person or share in the defeat with anyone else. It is entirely me. You know, I have a vision issue. I'm blind in one eye. And that has changed the way that I have to shoot and brought down my skill level significantly. It was my dominant eye that I lost. But in spite of that, I still go out and shoot. I still manage and, and function my daily life with, with my vision impairment. And I know a lot of people who have just one eye who shoot regularly and and have pass the motor vehicle test with flying colors and and lead you know wonderfully productive lives that no one ever notices that they're blind in one eye but those sort of handicaps change the way that you shoot and change the way that you feel about yourself but when you see that you can still do the things that you used to do you can still be the person who you want to be you can still have that rich full life that you enjoy that gives you more self-confidence and a a greater background i i feel so bad for the people who have chronic diseases i i I think most of you know I'm a lawyer. Most of you know that I do criminal defense primarily, but <coughs> I also do <coughs> sorry. I also do some personal injuries. I do uh some civil litigation here and there, you know, this and that. Got a call this week from a lady who had rheumatoid arthritis and needed to do a uh disability claim because she no longer could work and it was uh she had lost her income and it was impacting her her children and it was very sad. And I think of how grateful I am that I'm still able to get out and do the things that I do. I, I couldn't help her because I don't do disability claims. They're far too complicated. But I was able to get her in contact with a firm that could handle it. And I, I sit back and think about this. And, you know, I'm very lucky. I I don't have a debilitating disease. I, I can get out there and, and live life to the fullest and take life by the horns and and still triumph and have adventures and and do things and and live that kind of uh, an adventuresome existence. I've had great adventures in my past, and there are more in the future. And that that sense of confidence is intrinsic to a gun culture. 
because it it shows you that you are more than the sum of your parts and you can overcome your disadvantages and disabilities. I've seen, you know, people who shoot competitively that only have one arm, people who um are have one leg and are out there shooting three gun competitions. I mean, it's amazing the the amount of determination that comes through and people who believe in themselves. So that is one of the things that I think is intrinsic to the gun culture. It's important. It's kind of tangential to Georgia Carey. But I think that when, when I get these questions, what got you into guns? What got you so interested in guns? What made you decide to join Georgia Carey? What made you, what was your first gun? I, I covered all of those. <laughs> there you go, folks. I covered all those in one fell swoop. And we got into some of the meat of the psychology of what makes a gun owner a gun owner. And that, I think, is is a great thing. This is not anything that anyone should be ashamed of. This is a glorious pastime this is a rich tradition a cultural heritage and something that we are proud of and carrying that badge of office that you are a free man or woman in our society that you can carry a gun and that there is no power in heaven or earth that can tell you that you are not allowed to that's a sense of 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 self-righteousness that we are entitled to as american citizens and not subjects there are powers that be that don't want us to be citizens. They want us to be dependent on them for our security, our safety, and our very livelihoods. That's un-American. That's not who we are. That's not who any gun owner is. Gun owners believe in themselves because when they go up and, and they stand on that line and they shoot at that target, there is no one else who's going to help them do it. There's no one who can do it for them. It's entirely up to them. So when we come back, we're going to be in the last segment. I'm going to briefly recap how to join georgiacarry.org, um, answer another question or two as we have time, uh, and we will be back right after this message. And now back to georgiacarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So, as promised, um, I'm going to do a little bit about how to become a georgiacarry.org member. The, we spent a lot of time about the convention, which is a great opportunity, when, and talking about volunteer opportunities and how we need more people who to be more involved and to create their own volunteer opportunities. But, of course, all of this starts with becoming a georgiacarry.org member. And the easiest way to become a member is to simply go to www.georgia.org and click on Join Now in the top left-hand corner. You can join now for $20 a year. It is a phenomenal value. It gets you the newsletter and early invites into a lot of the events that are going on and the upcoming legislative updates. And as we go into the 2017 legislative session, we're going to see a lot of changes going on in the Capitol, and it is time for us to get involved. And if you want to know where to be, when to be, and, and who to send your emails to, which senators and representatives need a phone call, and which committees need your appearance in, the only way to get that information is to be a georgiacarry.org member. It is the most basic level of commitment is to to become a member and be counted among those 9,000. The higher level of commitment is to show up for the things that need doing to help make a difference in our country. So that's the easiest way. Now, of course, you can go to any of the events that are going on. You can go to a gun show or, or to the Pride Festival or to anything like that that happens, and you'll find georgiacarry.org volunteers. There you can pay in person, give them your email address, and off you are to the races, getting all the same information and member benefits as if you had joined online. The final and perhaps the most intriguing way 
to become a member is to find a local chapter meeting and go to that. Local chapter meetings happen uh, every month all across the state, and it's a chance for you to meet locals in your area who are into the same interests, uh, who would like to meet up with you, and you can have a a nice lunch or dinner. You hear an interesting speaker and have an opportunity to join right there. Um, You'll usually have a member from the board there to answer questions, and it is a great time of fun and fellowship with other gun owners, and it is a great way to to, to get your feet wet and introduced into this great organization. So three ways to join. There's two membership levels. First is $20 a year. The second is $500 for a lifetime membership. Once you become a lifetime member, you get special perks, including uh, a gift from the organization and entry into the lifetime members lunch during the convention, uh, discounted tickets for things. It is a fantastic bargain compared to $20 a year when you start to factor in what you'll pay over a lifetime. And we're certain that you'll have a lifetime commitment to this wonderful organization. So there's a membership information, everything you need to know to become a member at georgiacarry.org. Uh, three different ways to do it, two different levels of membership, and it's a great opportunity for you to get involved. Um, so I'm paging through looking at some of the other listener questions and trying to find things that I I think really captivate a lot of the interest. Um, And there's one here about how did georgiacarry.org get a radio show? So there's a couple of different variations on this theme. Uh, One asks, you know, how I got involved in the radio and how Jesse got involved in the radio. There's a couple more about Jesse. Does she have experience in broadcasting? I see a couple of those. And then we've got, but basically this, this whole area, all these questions come down to how did this get started? And, you know, I know that we've covered how georgiacarry.org got started, but the radio show, um, was really a labor of love. And, um, I had started doing a broadcast show uh, about a year before, on a, a different topic and Jesse had come in about halfway through and started working with me on that and, and helped me uh, stay on target and work. And she, uh, she had never worked in broadcast before to answer that question, but she took to it like a fish to water. She is very good at working the boards and she is probably the best production assistant someone could ever ask for inside the booth. Um, we fortunately have a, a small crew who do the actual production. We, Kirk is our uh, production manager, and we've got a couple of other people here at the station who clean up the files and take out some of, you know, when I go on an uh, expletive rant, they, they'll delete that out. But um, Jesse is the one who sets levels and sets up the files and and then participates throughout. And, and she's always been really good at this. I, I think that it would benefit her to go and get some broadcast, formal broadcast training because she does seem to have a knack for this, both on mic and off mic. I could see her easily being Raws to somebody else's Frasier um, in a studio somewhere. But regardless, the, 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 we, we started doing this. We had uh, approached Jerry Henry with the idea. Uh, he was all for it. And we got a station here to be our, our kickoff point. And the rest, as they say, is history. We, we just started doing topics and it's evolved from there. 
Um, and we love to get topics from listeners. It, it helps guide the show. Like today's show couldn't have been possible without all of the, the listener emails that we've received. But it, overall, as we have topics come up, we get emails or Facebook comments or messages through Facebook Messenger about things that people would like to hear more of. The biggest request we get all the time is hey, can we do a call-in show? And unfortunately, that's just not in the cards because the show is rebroadcast and internet-based so that there's no real opportunity. Nobody would know when to call in to be able to be heard. And if you heard a call-in show, then you would keep trying to call into a show that you couldn't call into because you were hearing a rebroadcast on a different station. So that's that's really not in the cards right now until we go live and live may be a possibility at some point uh, i would love to do live radio i basically do this without any cuts or takes or interruptions um so it it is an option in the future and that's something that i would enjoy doing is a live show uh, if you want to reach out to your local stations and help me get on another station near you, that always helps, too, the more stations we have. We, we've been in talks with the Georgia News Network and a few other things to try to get a wider range distribution of the show. So there's a lot of things going on in the background that people are working on to make this a, a more productive and, and wider stance of a show. So those things are going on in the background. There's a lot of work that goes into the show from creating topics to um, running down guests. When we have guests on the show, that's uh, a lot in large part, you know, the effort that Jesse puts into it and which is phenomenal. Uh, I've had a couple, found a couple who wanted to come on myself through my various methods and, and daily interactions. But that those are the sorts of things that really go into this. And as we come into the booth every week and sit and work on this and get everything hammered out, it, it It is time-consuming. Uh, the financial rewards are definitely not there, but it is a labor of love. And I think that everybody who's involved in this, in the Georgia Carey organization and our friends here at, at 1160 AM, appreciate what this show means. And this show is a voice of reason against a tide of anti-gun sentiment. It is a chance for us to congratulate people and to reaffirm that their choices to be independent, self-sufficient, and responsible citizens are valued by a society greater than themselves. The silent majority from Richard Nixon still exists. It's still out there. And as we see all of the the influences and, and, and pressure to give up what makes us Americans and what makes us a great people, that there's a whole group of people who stand up and say, no, no, I am a believer in individual responsibility. I'm a believer in individual liberty, and this is important, and this is where we are, and that's that. And GeorgiaCarry.org gives us a voice, and we can bring that message out there. We have a, a faithful cadre of listeners, both on the air and over the Internet, who believe in this message. I hope that these episodes give you a, a talking point or the ability to have a friend or neighbor listen in so that you can, you know, get them to, to see that this isn't craziness. This isn't vigilantism. This isn't evil. The people who carry guns aren't bad people. It's just individual responsibility. And it's a separate culture based on individual responsibility and freedom. And that is not a bad thing. That can never be a bad thing. Our president talks about bitter clingers clinging to their Bibles and guns. Well, you know what? We should. That's about all we have to cling to in this life. 
other than good people. And when you find a good person, cling to them too. And when you find people who aren't so good, get rid of them. Get them out of your life because you don't need that. What you need is good people who will help you, who will take care of you, who will love you, and those are worth clinging to, just like our religion and and our freedoms, including the right to own, keep, and bear arms. Those freedoms cannot be taken away, cannot be undermined, and people who see that as, as being a bitter person or clinging to something that isn't relevant don't understand what freedom is, don't understand what liberty is, and do not understand what it means to be an American. We need to educate our children in liberty and freedom. We need to educate our f- neighbors and, and our community that freedom means freedom and that we are in, in not going to let that go silently into the night, that we will stand up for freedom, that we will fight for freedom, not freedom just for, for the government, not you know, foreign wars where we're drawn out and our, our treasure and blood is spilt to, to deliver freedom to some and, and vast profits to others, but real freedom, freedom where we can say what we want and feel what we think and, and do what we wish without fear of reprisal, that we can be personally responsible for our actions, but enjoy our lives as long as it's not impacting or hurting another, that we should be free to, to drink fully from that cup. Folks, we're out of time, and I only got through probably about a half dozen questions in, in various forms. Keep them coming. We'll do another one of these shows very soon. Um, until then, tune back in. I'll be on next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.